comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. Hey. Out Now is a film podcast as Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games and other fun stuff. This is episode 62, and the main film of the week. Emphasis on plural, apparently. Very deep emphasis, right, Abe? We, we like... <laughs> Uh, our, yeah, our uh, our main films of the week. We are going to be talking about Pixar's latest, Brave, and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. That's right. It's a double episode. Two films very similar to each other. Not in any way, actually. Made that up. Um, but yeah, we're <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing. And joining us to discuss both Brave and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Well, some of us will be joining us for both. We have um, writer for Fast Film Reviews and personal enemy to director Adam Shankman, Mark Hoban. Hey, everyone. Uh, writer for The Rack Focus and amateur archer hoping to participate in next year's Hunger Games, Maxwell Haddad. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and the uh, newest guest, writer for Examiner.com and closing in on his fifth time seeing That's My Boy in theaters, Marcus Robinson. Oh, that's me, yes. yeah, My boy, okay. Uh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> How are you doing today? Great. I'm great. Early morning podcast. You know what? I didn't do this last time when we first had Maxwell on, but I'm going to ask both of you, since you're both kind of our newest guests to the podcast, uh, I'll ask Maxwell first. How? Uh, what is the Racked Focus, Maxwell? Uh, the Racked Focus is a film website I founded with uh, a gentleman named Nathan Donarum. And uh, we just like to call it a thoughtful approach to film criticism. Great. And uh, Marcus, could you explain, explain your work at uh, theexaminer.com? Um, <clears throat> well, I just do movie, just movie reviews, criticisms, try to see at least two movies a week that are going to hit the top ten in the box office. You know, that's it. Great. Cool. Give, my, give my take, my awesome. critical take. Awesome. Always, it's, we're always happy to have new guests on Out Now, so... We we hope you just don't you know don't ruin the experience for all of us. It'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> okay. So uh, a few announcements uh, let's, as always. Uh, let's uh, let's start with the the first and easiest one. Of course, iTunes reviews and ratings. Always uh, always happy to get those. Very helpful to the show. Very simple to do. Helps the show out. It's nice to do. It's cool. Let's see. Quick one to everyone that sent me messages or some kind of communication in the past week. I'm just gonna say thank you. That's it. And um, let's see. Questions. We Do we have any questions this week? I think we did. Eh? Or not necessarily questions, but we did get an email. And I do like <laughs> that we get. So here we go from a loyal listener, Mike Blakemore. I'm just going to read this one. Hey, guys. I was listening. This is how I assume Mike Blakemore talks. He just like really lowers his. Hey, guys. I was listening to another great episode of Out Now. 
I'll just note if I threw in the flattery because we needed it. Abe, in a throwaway line, mentioned that you are left-handed, referring to me, I guess. I knew there was a reason I liked you better than Abe. <laughs> I am also left-handed. Do you have a favorite left-handed present? Mine was a pair of expensive scissors that I got one Christmas that I still use. Looking forward to the Abe Lincoln review. Loyal listener, Mike Blakemore. Yes, Mike, I am left-handed. <laughs> Abe, you are not left-handed, correct? No, I'm not. Yep. Did, did he really put in the letter that he preferred you to... Yes, I think he did. Yes. <laughs> I, he, he so that you added that. It's in bold. It's not in bold, but it's in the... It's in the <laughs> Mike wouldn't be that, that cruel. <laughs> um, to answer the question, my, le- my favorite left-handed present, um, I, have, I have a book of famous left-handers that I got once. That made me happy. <laughs> Ned Flanders. Ned, yeah. yep. The Leftorium. Yeah. The left hand, the one stop shop for the left handed use. <laughs> okay, so that's that one. Um, let's see, couple. Let's see, couple more now. We got a few announcements this week, actually. Um, Summer movie gamble. Just did the latest update in that regard. Since uh, we had our GI Joe update, uh, a new one just emerged. Abe, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, the Born Legacy was pushed back a week. Oh no, I didn't see that yet. In order to distance itself from the release date of the, uh, the Dark Knight Rises, a little indie film I heard about. I think that's going to be pretty big. Um, which Universal literally acknowledged in their like official press release that say it, it states something like, given the popularity of the movies like Avengers and the upcoming Dark Knight Rises, we've decided to push back Born Legacy a week to August 10th. It was going to come out August 3rd um, in order to maximize the audience experience for properly having time to see the Dark or the Born Legacy with something to that extent. So yeah, Born Legacy has been moved back a week. Huh. Um, which makes complete sense to me, given that, yeah, it is coming out two weeks after The Dark Knight Rises destroys the world, and uh, <laughs> and because it also comes out the same day as um, Total Recall. Which I, we- I really I really hope that Dark Knight destroys the world based on my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I'm pretty sure it's in the Mayan drawings, like at the end of the timeline. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the reason that 2012 is supposed to be the last year. The calendar ends, and then there's a bat signal. That's, that's, that's how it works <laughs> in the Mayan. Awesome. That's how it's in the Mayan drawings, and that's how it is in 2012. Actually, there's that would a scene. Be awesome. There's a deleted scene actually where John Cusack <laughs> in a limo is driving by in South America, and he's like, "Oh look, it's Batman!" That he, he can't like finish his. Sentence. Like, <laughs> it's just the pure blows up. It's insane. Over it is limo. Over flat there. He's like, what's going on? Chiwetel LG4 is like, we don't have time for this. He's really serious as always because he's Chiwetel LG4. I just really wanted to get plug the fact that I can say Chiwetel LG4 three times in one sentence. But okay, moving on. How do we even get there? Because, because the Border Legacy. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right. Uh, last week, uh, Liz was on, a friend of the show, Liz Manichel. And she promoted her um, her Kickstarter project for her film, Bread and Butter Movie. And uh, we're going to you know plug that once again. Abe, you want to kind of explain once again what we're doing? Absolutely, yeah. What we're doing is, if you listen to the show, or I guess if you're listening now, what you can do is you can help Liz out with uh, donations to fund her film at Kickstarter. We're, we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but uh, you can essentially, I think it's a minimum donation of, if you donate $35, you can... Um, oh, it's $25. Twenty-five. I'm sorry. Thirty-five is actually what I was donating. That's twenty-five dollars, right? That's your cut that you take, Abe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you can, I guess, be entered into a drawing to be a special guest on the Out Now with Aaron and Abe show. So it's twenty-five dollars to help Liz with her film, and uh, you can be on this pretty cool show. So you know, think about it, and uh, it's helping everybody out. It's a win-win-win-win. 
as what Aaron said last week. <laughs> win, 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 win. Exactly. And yeah, you know, twenty five dollars to be a guest on the show seems like seems like a pretty cool, pretty cool offer. And you, you know, you help Liz's movie out. That's nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're just wishing luck to Liz. She's a friend of the show, of course. So it's it's cool that she's doing that. She's getting to make. She's trying to make a movie. So you know, good on her. Oh, speaking of speaking of Liz, actually, she of course is a part of the web series Just Seen It, and I was actually a guest on there as we've had her as a guest on our show a couple times. She invited me to be a guest on their show, and so I actually got to do a video review for Brave with them this past week, which I'll also put in the show notes because I know everyone is very curious to see whether or not I am more handsome than Abe. <laughs> the, the official jury is still out on that, so you know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping. Is that it really here? It is. Yeah, so I'm hoping that the oh, slant, okay. slants will lean that way, knowing that I'll have video footage of myself somewhere. Um, okay, last, last. We've had a lot of announcements this week. Last announcement: I'm announcing a contest. I didn't even tell Abe about this till just now. Um, oh, an, another contest. We have a Pixar contest. And this one is incredibly, incredibly simple. However, I'm going to state right away that anyone that has won something in the past from our show cannot enter this contest. Just because we want to, you know, get more people into this. I know some, there are some loyal listeners, such as Mike Blakemore, who, you know, hates Abe. That, that you know, <laughs> that he he died, he just instantly just, like, I need to enter this contest right away. By the way, I was frantically moving my hands up and down to suggest that's how he types, by the way. You can't see that, but I want to describe the experience then. But, yeah, we're going to limit this to people that have, you know, not entered contests before. And all you have to do is name your favorite Pixar character and why. And, you know, if you sentences to like a paragraph that's incredibly you know incredibly simple you know all you have to do is email email that to outnappodcast at gmail.com and you will win a pixar prize and i'm not going to tell you exactly what that prize is except i'll say that it's dvds from the director of mi mi3 4 ghost protocol mi3 mission impossible i said that completely wrong mission Imp- <laughs> i want you to edit that out but you're not going to yeah mission Imp- the director of mission impossible 4 ghost protocol uh, films directed by him will be sent your way if you are to be the first to name your favorite pixar character and why in an email at outnowpodcast at gmail.com i think you can kind of guess what those two movies may be but you know why, why say them out loud why not really but i'm not going to <laughs> there's <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll probably recap the contest at the end of the show. But yeah, there's that. Okay, sound cool? That sounds awesome. I, I thought so. Now that we finally ended the announcements, let's kick off the Know Everybody section where we uh, try to set the tone for this podcast by asking each other a few questions. Better get to Know Everybody. And uh, let's uh, let's start off with Mark this week. Okay, um, so uh, Princess Merida from Brave is an archer. And it seems like 2012 is the year of archery. We've got Katniss from The Hunger Games, Hawkeye from The Avengers, uh, William, uh, her childhood pal from Snow White and the Huntsman. Sterling and Archer then... from the TV show series. <laughs> <laughs> and Princess Merida from Brave. Uh, let's see, Marcus, which is your favorite archer from 2012? It's got to be this the Princess Merida. Is that how you said? it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got to be her. She's got, she's got balls. <laughs> the other one. Too. Can you say that? Can I say that on a podcast? Say balls. Yeah, why not? Okay, all right. She's yeah. She's feminine, feminist personified. Katniss okay. is pretty tough herself too. Yeah, she's all right. She's all right. No. She had, she had help from the tracker jackers. So. I would certainly on. Come like on. see them in a in a bow off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. I will direct it at Aaron. Okay. Uh, it's just a vampire question. Actually, uh, I, <laughs> as long as it's not a Prometheus you, question, we're good. Oh, okay. 
right. How do you prefer your vampires? Uh, dreamy and sparkly or cold and bloodthirsty? Uh, medium rare. Medium rare? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I prefer my vampires to be, to, to, uh, yeah, to be a little... A little dark, a little bloodthirsty, not too, not too fancy in the dress. I don't need a like a fancy vampire. One that's more, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of roughing it. One of those vampires. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right, all right. Um, let's see, Maxwell. Mm. What do you consider to be the weirdest Pixar story? The weirdest premise for a Pixar movie? I think the weirdest premise for a Pixar story is probably Up. That's a good answer. I think it's the hardest to wrap one's head around when you just hear the premise. And even though it's, as we all know, unexpectedly great, the adventures of an old man and his chubby Boy Scout sidekick uh, is a little little peculiar. I hope that becomes a Batman comic, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, this one will be for Mark. If in 20 to 30 years... Someone decides to make a mashup film uh, focusing on Barack Obama. What would you like to see him fight? Uh, you know, I'd like to see him uh, fight Godzilla. I don't really feel like that. <laughs> I don't feel like that film is, has been uh, remade properly, and I think uh, that would be a good uh, monster for him to like attack and and uh, take care of. So yeah, I liked Obama versus Godzilla. There was yeah, there was Bambi versus Godzilla. It's quite popular. Yeah, I, I think Obama can do a better job than Bambi did, if you've seen that uh, movie. <laughs> that, lo- that lengthy film. He wasn't too successful. That's a show note. He, he gave it a good try, but... All right. Let me add something to that. The, sure. Barack Obama. At a Comic-Con a few years ago, I saw um, a, a comic frame for Barack Obama versus the Army of Darkness which is basically, it was Barack Obama in place of Bruce Campbell in like a comic version of The Army of Darkness. And um, so I did that. I was that for Halloween one year, and that was quite enjoyable. You'll have to you'll have to post pictures. I will. Yeah, it, exactly. It's in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. Show notes. Yes. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. <laughs> All right. Abe. Yes. Uh, Princess Marita is a redhead. Who is your favorite ginger? That is a great question. <laughs> Going through the list... It's that very already prepared. Yes. Because I saw this <laughs> time. Uh, <laughs> I'm really stumped. I can give you like a few ideas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be okay. So there's Emma Stone, Nicole Kidman, Julia Roberts, Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Lindsay Lohan, um, Bruce Willis, oh, uh, well Christina, Christina Hendricks. Pick Lindsay. Uh, you know, Princess Merida is actually very cool. <laughs> like, like you've, you've, heard, you've heard all these other answers. You're like, oh, we're still gonna <laughs> go with the, the, the one that doesn't even the fictional one. The animated character with like the very round head. The actually, animated character beats out the real people. Yeah, you know, she was arching from a <laughs> moving at like 50 miles an hour. It's right, yeah. pretty amazing. She she deserved it. She has a choice of word. All right, Marcus. Yes. Would it have been cooler if Abraham Lincoln killed zombies and vampires in this film, or if all of a sudden Ulysses S. Grant shows up with dual wielding hatchets and helps him destroy the vampires? Um, I think I think the zombies would have made it a little bit better. 
but how how do you do zombie attack in slow motion? I don't know. I think that's how you. <laughs> that's, that's the real question. Carefully. Carefully. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see, I'll give this one to Maxwell. Yes. Um, do you prefer the Pixar storyline or the old school Disney storylines? That's a tough question. Uh, I'd say if I was forced to choose, I would have to go with Pixar. Okay. Interesting. It, it's well, a very hard... In, I was just going to say, we can get into this in the actual review, but I kind of feel like Brave was the old uh, Disney storyline. Yeah, there we go. I would agree with that. And then uh, jumping off of that question, I'll ask Aaron, uh, seeing as how Princess Merida is Pixar's first uh, Disney princess, who is your favorite Disney princess? Um, Let's see. See, this doesn't really count as a princess, but I always like the character of Meg from uh, the Hercules movie. Uh, but she's not necessarily a princess, so I, you know I would. Oh gosh, I, that's obscure. I like I like I that. Know who that is. Who? The, Meg the, is that? very she's, saucy. She's, she's the, a very saucy lady. She's the female character. She's the female love interest in Hercules. I like that character. She's got an awesome song too. She does. She's okay. she's not necessarily a princess in that movie. So I, I would just say, I would say Jasmine from uh, Aladdin. There we go. I know her. <laughs> I know who that is. <laughs> that's, a, that's a person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm just going to pose this one out to everybody. I read this list of uh, badass president movies the other day, which I actually posted on uh, the old Twitter machine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple of them because they're hilarious to me. And just imagine w- which one would you think is the uh, the movie you want to see? Anyone can just kind of sh- just say just say that. So here we go. Here's the first one. Um, we have uh, William William Howard Taft Wrecking Ball. Uh, let's see. Tom Hanks as Jimmy Carter in Get Carter. I would watch that. Yeah. Um, Ulysses S. Grant in American Werewolf in Washington. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Um, Roosevelt in The New Dealer. <laughs> I love that. That's that. There, there it is. Stop there. Stop there. Okay. <laughs> well, th- there's, a, there's a couple, though. JFK, Cuban Missile Crisis. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, let's see, Sasquatch Watch with Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> and let's see, uh, Hoover. Oh, what? Whoa. And of, and of course, Will Smith as Obama in Barack Ness Monster. <laughs> that okay. would be spectacular. I think that'd be a yeah. good one. Maybe. I'll change my vote to that one. Okay, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> I think it's unanimous then. Okay, cool. Put, yeah. I'll put that in the show notes as well. We all want to see the Barakness monster. And that's yeah. going to do it for an overbody this week. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's, get, let's get to movie trailer talk where we discuss a couple of the newest movie trailers uh, that have come out this week. And we have two new movie trailers. And the first one we can talk about is Pixar's next film, which is going to be a prequel to Monsters, Inc. It is entitled Monsters University which follows the college days of Mike and Sully, John Goodman and Billy Crystal. And um, it's a year out, and it's a Pixar movie, so we're not going to really know about this plot much until we get there. But I imagine it probably involves Mike furiously studying for his finals while Sully just wants to bang chicks. So uh, that's, what, yeah. that's what I imagine. That's what I got. That's, that's, that's what I got from the trailer. <laughs> 
that's that's what will happen in that movie. Lots of lots of socks on doors saying "Do not be." Deceived. That's Pixar's, <laughs> classy, Pixar's. classy Pixar as always. Pixar's so, first NC seventeen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, straight straight there. Not R, not PG thirteen. Straight to NC seventeen. So with that said, very little known about the movie, and we only got a brief glimpse in the trailer presented. But with all that said, uh, Mark, what did you think of the teaser that we got to see? You know, I really liked uh, Monsters, Inc., and uh, a chance to revisit that story, I think, is a good idea. Um, you know, Pixar's done sequels before with Toy Story, and, and I think all of them have been excellent. So uh, generally, I usually feel like uh, sequels are not as good as the original, but with Pixar, I, I definitely am optimistic. Um, it is a year out, so I don't know if what we saw in the trailer is even going to be in the film or if it's just sort of a teaser. It, pro it probably is just a teaser, but what I saw in the trailer I thought was very funny and definitely got me interested in seeing it. So I, I definitely am, am down for, for uh, Monsters University. Cool. Uh, Maxwell? Uh, for the most part, I agree with Mark. Um... I'm usually a little more skeptical with prequels because I find that they usually don't work despite the best intentions of the creative team. But, you know, Pixar has as much goodwill as any studio I can think of, you know, producing these days. And I love the characters. The original film is so clever. So I think it'd be, you know, potentially very uh, amusing and even moving as many Pixar films are to see Mike and Sully uh you know, having panty raids and snorting cocaine off their desks. Those two things, yes. <laughs> I, I hope those are both in the film. Featured yeah. prominently, yes. Uh, yeah. Marcus. In a montage. In a montage. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, what are you? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it looked, the trailer looked funny. I was, I laughed out loud. Um, I am kind of out of the loop here, but because I'm one of the only people that hasn't seen Monsters, Inc., it's like sacrilegious. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Man, tough crowd. Um, yeah, but it, the, the trailer looked hilarious. I'm I would. I'm going to go watch Monsters, Inc. right now because of this trailer I, uh, that I just saw. So from what from what I saw, it looks brilliant. I'll go see it. Uh, yeah, definitely the hesitation of, you know, prequels, like what Maxwell had said, uh, kind of makes me feel a little bit uneasy. But at the same time, you know, Pixar is very strong in what they do, and they uh, they have a great team that helps them. And Monsters, Inc. was one of those films that um, I found to be, yeah, really, really funny when I saw it. And um, I saw it with my family, and everyone enjoyed it, and it was like that really tender moment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Pixar, and, uh, I, I hope that they know what they're doing, and I'm pretty sure that they would do know what they're doing, so it'd be a good thing to see. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to this movie. I found it. I, I, I laughed out loud in the in the the teaser, and I guess I'm I'm happy that this is a prequel as opposed to a sequel, where you you know try to I guess have the I guess I can't spoil things for Marcus, but sir, try to try to <laughs> uh, try to bring back certain characters and, and not have it be as emotionally satisfying or feel too cloying in ways so I, I like the idea of going back to a, a different time and like a neat kind of atmosphere I mean the idea of Pixar doing a college based comedy that's that seems inherently funny to me and you know bringing back John Goodman and Billy Crystal and presumably the rest of the cast too which could include uh, Steve Buscemi of course um, 
and I, I hope, <laughs> as I as I hope, like like a complete opposite version of his character in Monsters Inc. That'd be kind of humorous to me. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And I like I like the idea. And it's a Pixar movie, which just makes me generally look forward to things in general. So I mean, I'm yeah, watching. I mean, I I think a Pixar is always pretty good. So you really can't help but get excited about a new Pixar film. I mean, I'm so one I'm, I'm one of the four people that like Cars 2, so we'll... Oh. I'm I'm also one I'll of those. that one. Yeah. No, I so. like Cars 2 also. Yeah, see, I me, like Cars oh. see, there you go. All four of us are on this podcast. I can't, I, can't, I can't believe I was able to I mean, assemble the four people in the world. I know, like right? Exactly. <laughs> it, I mean, within the world of Pixar, Cars 2 is probably lesser Pixar, but it's yeah. still, I enjoyed it. Probably. Probably is putting it lightly. I, it's, I, I would I would rank it I would rank it number twelve out of thirteen. Is it is it thirteen? Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, that's right. I said it right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. So uh, Monsters University comes out next June June twenty first next year. So you know we'll 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 certainly be there. So there you go. Um, our next film is the latest from Disney Animation Studios, and it's called Wreck It Ralph. And apparently Pixar, or not Pixar, Disney was like, how do we win over Aaron Newworth immediately? And they're like, we should make an animated movie about video game characters and put John C. Riley in it. And I'm like, all right, so good job, you guys, because this movie looks fantastic to me. It, it basically involves John C. Riley as the character Wreck-It Ralph, who exists in a sort of classic um, arcade sort of game that's kind of a similar to Mario, to, to um, Donkey Kong and... Uh, old like very old like arcade games you find in like a 80s arcade and he's he's this character named Wreck-It Ralph who is essentially the bad guy character in a game akin to someone like Donkey Kong who kind of exists to cause destruction only to have a character kind of uh, solve like solve the issue and destroy Wreck-It Ralph in a way and so he in this world Wreck-It Ralph has become bored with being this character and so he escapes his own he leaves his own video game to explore the possibility of going into other video games that he might be more suited for and what follows is it seems like he's, he's going to different games that are kind of uh, mirroring games that we see in current. So he goes to like to a Call of Duty type game. He goes to like a platformer type game and to like a kids type game and stuff. And uh, it looks to be a lot of fun to me. But let's uh, what does everyone else think? Let's start with Maxwell this time. Um, I think, frankly, it looks brilliant. I think it's such a clever premise. The fact that, you know, they were able to you know, make deals and get the licensing rights for some of these great villain characters, uh, like, uh, Zongief and M. Bison, uh, <laughs> exactly. M. Bison right? one, one of the ghosts, yeah. from, like ghosts from Pac-Man. Exactly. <laughs> um, and of course, Bowser, Bowser. But, uh, that was the orange ghost. His name is Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think perhaps the most exciting thing about it is that, uh, Rich Moore is directing it. Yes. Who, you know, used to work on The Simpsons back in the day. He directed Marge versus the Monorail, which is many people's favorite oh, episode. That's he the golden on, era. Written by Conan O'Brien. Yes, it was. Yes. Worked on Futurama for a long time, so he can definitely do subversive animation, and that's what I expect from it. I'm sure it'll also have a pretty strong uh, emotional core, being that it's Disney. But yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, Mark. Uh, yeah, I, I got very excited when I saw the trailer. Um, I like the little uh, roundtable discussion that they are having sort of at the psychiatrist's office. And, you know, you see the characters from Pac-Man and Sonic the Hedgehog and Super Mario Brothers and, and whatnot. And I I kind of got a little bit of a, a, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit vibe, you know, where you're getting yeah, some of these yeah. ca characters from other uh, 
entities all combined in the same uh, movie. And I really like that idea. And I think it's really going to speak to like people who love classic video games. But then at the same time, I think it's going to also appeal to just people who are into the modern video games as well. So, I mean, I think this if if the movie is good, it's going to have the potential to be like an across the board hit with like all age groups. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I should also mention that including beyond John C. Riley, you also have Jane Lynch, Jack McBrayer, oh, Sarah Silverman. And, and Jane Lynch looks like Jane Lynch. Yeah, she does. Like, yeah, yeah. She looks exactly. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, my gosh, that's Jane Lynch. Sarah Silverman, Dennis Haysbert, Pre- President Palmer himself in the movie. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, solid voice cast going on. Um, but, you know. And the trailer, they had that little riff on Qbert, and he starts talking, and they're like, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> you know, it, it's like these little jokes that are, are going to probably mean more to older people, but then they're going to have, like, the more recent video games and stuff as well. I think it's a very smart idea. Marcus? Yeah, I have to really agree with what everybody's been saying. I mean, uh, I mean, it, the, only, the only thing about it, I mean, it looks like the, the stereotypical, you know, misfit, wonders about what's out in the outside world only to know only to fi- figure out that his friends have been around him the whole time kind of thing so i don't know how the storyline itself is going to play out but i mean i'm going to see it for the video games alone so cool hey i'm just curious and very excited to see how many like, video game references they pack into this film yeah. uh yeah, when exactly. i see it and that's probably going to be like the, the biggest driving thing but at the same time you know um I like John C. Reilly a lot. I think he's really talented. Uh, so, you know, I'm excited to see where they go with that. And that was, as, as sophomore as it seems, uh, I was laughing a lot when Sarah Silverman was just kind of mocking and mimicking him um, in the trailer. So, you know, if there's funny humor like that, then I'm pretty sure that it'll be a good good film. Yeah, this is, this is like, the, I think, the first, like, Disney 3D, like, like, what, 3D animated film that I'm, like, excited to see. Uh, in terms of like what, what did they they've had like Home on the Range, Meet the Robinsons, Chicken Little, and uh, I think Bolt. Bolt I actually liked quite a bit, but it wasn't. Like, yeah, actually, the last they did Bolt and they did Tangled, and both. Oh yeah, Tangled. Actually, I forgot about Tangled. Yeah, both. Yeah, those, both, yeah, of, those, both of those were pretty decent. Yeah, I, I would agree with yeah, that. They weren't bad, but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that I was like really like excited to go and like, see them before you saw it. Before right, I saw right. them, yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. so like Rec- well, that, I, I agree. Record Ralph has already hooked me in, so I'm like and. <laughs> Um, and it's because it really caters to my interests, obviously. And and you know what? That's the brilliant thing about Wreck-It Ralph is I think if it's good, the average person who doesn't even care about video games is going to enjoy it. But it's also going to speak to like the video game geek that can kind of like get into all the little in references and know those characters. And it, it, it has the potential to be like one of these across the board smashes that like everyone can kind of enjoy on a, on a different level. And we'll find out if everybody enjoys it on uh, November 2nd, uh, 2012, when it comes out this uh, this coming fall. All right, so that's uh, that's some trailer talk. And I guess we can move on now to our film review, our first film review for Brave. I want my freedom. But are you willing to pay the price your freedom will cost? Careful what you wish for, my mother would say. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah! No more fighting! Show a little decorum! Feast your eyes! If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? 
so that should have been some of the trailer for Brave, and this is, of course, the newest Pixar film, which revolves around Princess Merida, who hails from the Scottish kingdom of Dumbach, and um, her mother, the queen, uh, voiced by Emma Thompson, Princess Merida is voiced by Kelly McDonald, by the way, um, the queen wants her to act as a queen would, and uh, wants her to choose one of the suitors from another kingdom to be her husband. And uh, Merida doesn't like this. She wa- she'd rather choose her own way of life, whether it be pursuing her skill of archery or doing whatever she chooses that she'd like to do. After a, an ensuing argument that's based on the actions that Merida takes, she finds herself away from the kingdom and in a position where she can change her fate. What ensues is a fantastical sort of adventure with a mother-daughter relationship at its core. Uh, lots to discuss. Okay, let's uh, start. Let's start with uh, start with Mark. What did you think of Brave? Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, you know, a lot has been made about the fact that Brave is the first Pixar film to spotlight a female lead. And it is different than a lot of the Pixar films that they've done before in that respect. But overall, I felt like it it was very safe and kind of, I mean, thematically bland in the world of Pixar. Um, it's very much a throwback to sort of every Disney princess that they've done over the past 20 years. And um, it's kind of this sort of uh, age-old battle of tradition versus contemporary values. And I, I think that's a definitely a valid notion to explore. Um, but the, the, the problem is that I just felt like Pixar really didn't do anything fresh with it. Um, there definitely are some amusing moments. I, I think that the animation is as gorgeous as it's ever been in any Pixar film and I really enjoy the the lords that are presenting their sons to uh, win the hand of uh, Princess Merida's uh, in, in marriage and their sons and the lords I thought they were wonderful and I liked uh, Julie Walters who does the voice of the witch um, who kind of provides sort of the catalyst for the story's sort of development um, so I enjoyed all those things, um, but ultimately I did kind of feel like it was sort of a disappointing reflection on the sort of, like I said before, traditional versus contemporary values. And it, it's passable. I mean, I, I thought it, I, I was entertained while I was watching it, but overall I felt like it was sort of a superficial treatment of kind of a well-worn idea that Disney has done like countless times before. Maxwell. Um, okay, I mean, it's definitely a little more simple and straightforward than some of the complex narratives Pixar has given us in the past, but what I really liked about it, um, and this perhaps speaks to um, how much of a Disney fan I am, is that, you know, in all of their films, Pixar has taken sort of genres that we've seen countless times and put their own spin on it, and I thought it was a really kind of cool and clever idea to take the classic Disney fairy tale, a company, of course, that they are owned by and work in tandem with and do their take on it. Um, Mark was talking a little bit about, you know, the clash between traditions and, and new new ideals, and that's definitely in there. But to me, what the film is really about is the mother-daughter relationship. And I think in terms of that, it hits a real emotional high. I was very affected by the two characters, by Merida and her mom, the Queen, and I think both Kelly McDonald and Emma Thompson give great, rich vocal performances that really um, attached me to these characters and, you know, made me very involved in their journey. Um, and I think it also is an interesting counterpoint to Finding Nemo because that's a father-son story, this is a mother-daughter story, and there's definitely... Um, 
some back and forth between the two and the way the stories evolve. So I definitely liked it a lot. Um, not Pixar's best, but you know they have such high standards that I still think it's a very, very strong animated film. Uh, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I This second half kind of drooped off, but I was laughing throughout the first hour of it. It looks spectacular. I think after Cars 2, it... Uh, it's a nice comeback for, for Pixar. Um, I think everybody was really good in it. Emma Thompson, uh, Billy Connolly, everybody was really, really good in it. Um, it does explore that mother-daughter relationship uh, like Maxwell was talking about really, really well. Um, I, I really liked it. Second half aside. Cool. Abe. Even though the storyline was really simple. Abe. Uh, it's definitely a story that uh, you kind of don't see coming, but uh, at the same time, it's a traditional story about uh, overcoming you know, fears and obstacles and choosing your own path in life, and ultimately you know, the bonds that make uh, a family. Um, and I don't think that it's a knock on the film that it's kind of more traditional, because I don't think that it necessarily has to be something that was kind of fresh and awe-inspiring and a, a very different take. And I think uh, a couple of people have touched on this before, which is just to say that, you know, that mother-daughter relationship thing is kind of uh, its own little uh, new spin, I guess. Because you don't really see those films or those types of, um, I guess, animated children's stories uh, too often. It's a lot of father-son or father-daughter interaction. Um, so this was kind of something new, and it was nice. It was, you know, I guess as not traditional uh, of a narrative as some of these Finding Nemo or even, I don't know, The Jungle Book. So it, it's <laughs> Baloo and, and Mowgli. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, I think that that's kind of its, uh, its gem there. But it definitely, you know, technically speaking, it was it looked great. It was uh, the wisps were, were looking really awesome um and uh yeah i mean you know i i definitely like the humor in it from the the four clans yeah abe um i think i kind of agree with what you're i mean we all seem to like the movie but i think i abe i think i agree with a lot of your thoughts and what interest and you know on a technical level this movie looks amazing especially meredith's hair it's like a really it, yeah, it, it does it, it really it's like there's just, like corkscrews in it like randomly yeah um what what's interesting to me about this movie and Pixar in general is the way they advertise their movies. Now, I'm, we haven't we purposely not detailed kind of what goes on in the rest of the film in the second act and on, but there is a twist that occurs, and leading up to Brave, you don't know what really the plot is. You get you get an idea of what the premise is. You understand that Merida's a princess that wants to kind of be her own woman, which is admirable and you know it's a neat way to go about things, but you don't really know what's going to happen from there. And that's something I find with Pixar films in general, where you get an idea of what the premise is, but you don't really know where it's going when you go to see that film. You kind of sit down, you're like, oh, okay, this is where the plot's going. That's interesting. Something like WALL-E, for example, you don't really know the story of that movie. Um, uh, even like, uh, yeah, the, the other, I mean, the other films, they don't really spell out the plot for you in the trailer. So that's something I like about Pixar in general. So in going to Brave, I like the movie overall. I'm a fan of it. I think it's, I think that, as we've mentioned, the mother-daughter element, I think that's a, a neat relationship to see play out. And I also agree that the story is more, it's more traditional in a, in a Disney sort of sense. Um, so now knowing what the movie is, without having that added 
kind of suspense of where the movie's going to be going, I guess. So it comes down to me of would I want to like watch this movie again or like would I have would it have the same effect on me knowing that there's not a certain um, surprising element that's going to occur. And I'd say I'd say yes, I'd say I probably would sit down and watch the movie again because I really I really liked how it played out. I liked the the voice cast. I, li- I liked and it's kind of a, a more limited cast than opposed to other Pixar movies. But I liked um, Kelly McDonald as Merida and I liked Emma Thompson's work and I liked Billy Connolly a lot, too, as King Fergus. And it's I think it's a very like movie. I don't yeah, I I wouldn't say it's, you know, the the pantheon level of Pixar, but that just means that it's in the 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 really solid level of Pixar, which is not a bad place to be at all. I mean, it's it may not be a, a ten, but you know, seven, eight, nine, not a bad not a bad place for any movie. Um, certainly better than many movies that come out throughout the year, let alone any other animated movies from other studios that don't seem to have a as careful a grasp on how to kind of make these films work out. But um, yeah, I would agree with Mark that the it's it's it plays it safe that's a good way to phrase it it play it plays it safer in terms of the scope of the story and just kind of what it's cov- what kind of ground it's covering which is to say it's not breaking any necessarily ambitious ground but it's still it does a good job with the story it, it's it's telling i think and uh yeah for that for that i i really enjoyed the film overall yeah uh i mean i gotta I got say one thing um the what really made it for me, and this may sound really silly, is were those three little boys. That's fine, yeah. That's, three, yeah. three little boys were almost almost as endearing as the, the fat kid from Up. It was they were, they made the, whenever there was a kind of a lull or something, they would throw those three little boys in, and and, and it would get me back into the movie. Uh, so I have to say that that that's probably uh, probably my favorite part, and yeah, I don't want to downplay know, it, but it's interesting that you mentioned about their like lull in the movie and i felt they're, like a large portion of the film was based on slapstick when they're trying to undo this spell and yeah, i was, was like it went on for a long time and i was like oh my gosh nothing is happening to advance the story they're just doing one slapstick what's that you didn't find that funny the the slapstick the 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 I mean, it was amusing but i mean it didn't really like didn't like advance the story or i, I didn't really feel like it it, but there's uh, not much. I don't think there's much of a story here. I mean, if you want to super analyze, if you want to analyze the story alone, there's not much of a story here. It's very, very simple. It's something that gets in and out pretty quickly. Um, so I think they needed to fill it with something, and they filled it with something that I really, really love. Right, right. And but so when you like compare it to some of the stories, like what I saw in Toy Story Three or no, Finding Nemo, the stories are so much more rich and diverse that this yeah. kind of paled in comparison. It, it, no, yeah. It's kind of it, it makes it it makes me kind of curious about what happened. Now I should mention that um, this film was this film was kind of co-directed, but there's a little bit of a, a controversy behind that. It was co-directed by Brenda Chapman and Mark Andrews. But having said that, uh, Brenda Chapman was actually. She was replaced by Mark Ch- by uh, Mark Andrews during the right. the process of this movie, so it makes me wonder because that would have also been the, it was the a, first. It was a bit of a stormy production. It, yeah, yeah it, it was originally titled "The Bear and the Bow," and I mean the sources say it's creative differences that kind of led to a different kind of a different person helming the project. So it makes me curious as to what possibly Brenda Chapman's version of this that the story was, whether it was any different or if yeah. there's some other story elements that were lost in the process or yeah. from, from what I've heard, it was much more serious under her hand and Mark came in and brought a lot more of the, the humorous elements that we see in the film, which kind of reflects kind of the, remember the, remember the first teaser for this film where it's very, yeah, it's very, yeah. it's, it's much yeah. more evocative. Of terms I, in like you have just Merida riding and a bear attacks her. And that's like, honestly, 
that's what I was dreading the most. I was dreading that it was going to be straightforward, like it was going to have a little eight-year-old snoozing in the in the theater. But I think, however it was rewritten or however it was redirected or the jokes that were thrown in, I think they all worked to elevate this movie to or maybe mask the movie as something better than it actually is. Maybe it had the, maybe it didn't have the three boys it's, in it. It's maybe still, it didn't have the three boys. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's still pretty dark though. I mean, you yeah, compare it, it to other Pixar, it's still one of the darkest films I, that I think Pixar has ever done. Is it? I don't know about that. What would be darker what, than this? Well, let, let, let me, let me, let me, I'd say Wally. Well, I think, yeah. I think if you think of Wally in a certain perspective, it's very dark. I think if you think of certain scenes in Toy Story but Wally, 3, Toy, let, me, let me finish this. If you think of Toy Story 3 in certain ways, it's pretty dark. If you think of yeah. um, the opening of Finding Nemo or Up, for that matter, there's a lot of dark elements. But all of, all of those characters are very uplifting and kind of uh, charming. The character of uh, Merida is actually quite, I mean, she's dark. I mean, I don't want to go into like, what she does, but she has some. She de- she's a very selfish personality, much more so. I than agree any with other. that. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I think right. I think what makes it kind of intense, though, is that it's they're human characters. You know, it's something like Toy Story or right. Wall. That's that you, that's you know, or, or Cars too, which features a lot of death. If you really think right, about that movie, <laughs> don't bring up Cars two again. And so the the violence and action elements in this could hit harder. I I actually saw the film with my eight year old nephew. And I also saw Toy Story 3 with him. And he was very scared and brave, but had no problems with Toy Story 3. He liked the film a lot, but in certain scenes where there were uh, uh, attacks, um, so to speak, he got very scared um, during it. Actually, Maxwell, that's a brilliant point, because I think the fact that this is all based on people... and Which is somewhat there rare are, for a Pixar film. Yeah. It is. So yes. that makes it a little bit more realistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, the thematic... The whole theme of it is is dark, just like all the a lot of the other Pixar movies. But the fact that it was like realistic situations, you know, to an, yeah, to an extent, yes, to an extent, to an extent, yeah. to an extent. Um, the fact that it was it was more uh, it wasn't a fish or it wasn't a, a you know robot or something like that. Right. Even it, uh, the Incredibles, they're superheroes, so it's still a yeah. little bit. It's a level right. of sort of mm-hmm. diff- it's a heightened you know. reality. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, here's a question. Getting back to our point about kind of the 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 shift change in who's helming the project, uh, did anyone find the, and I'll phrase this lightly, the the magic element confusing, in terms no. of in what respect? Well, I mean, you know, Mer- Merida has to do something in order to solve a problem. I get that aspect, but yeah. did anyone find something anything confusing about how she needed to do that? A, a little bit, because I, I feel like. I feel like there was like a step that I missed or something where I was just like, wait, what did she need to do? Like, like she needed to. Well, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure. At one point, I wasn't sure if it was something sort of within herself or was an actual physical thing. Yes, that's kind you know, of, yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. And I, right. It, it kind of, it, it feels like I, there was like, it feels like there's one scene that could be added that could help better clarify right. that for me. And was I, she supposed to fix herself or was she supposed to fix an object? Yes, exactly. And, that, that that kind of like just kind of threw I, me. I know exactly it kind yeah. of it kind of threw me because it's like I feel like I shouldn't be confused in a Pixar animated film but right I, but yet I am <laughs> it's just it's just that deep yeah okay. it's, it's deep man it's, it's deep see it again. which I might do actually I, I saw this a few weeks ago now actually uh, okay now here's here's another thing I want to bring up that I really liked about the film um, because we've been talking about how it feels more like it more feels more classical Disney in a sense of how the story plays out but. Think about the um, 
the the villain character the la- basically you, you can think about what would be considered the villain character and there really isn't a villain i would say there's a there's certainly there's a character that's dangerous and right. there's also another character that in a traditional like a really traditional pix uh, disney movie you would see to be the villain but yeah. you don't have either of those things here there's there's not a villain necessarily in this movie this is more like a uh woman versus society kind of kind of movie than it is a traditional villain versus well, hero it's like us versus them yeah the personal journey there doesn't have to be a an outright villain i think that works to its favor actually i'd agree with that yeah and i think that and i think uh pixar struggled in the past with having villains and how to dispose of them in certain senses like you you have something like up where as much as i like up a lot i mean you it, I, th- I i feel like to me, Up, like, it's not it's not a favorite Pixar movie of mine. I really love Up a lot, especially, I mean, obviously the first, like, ten minutes of that movie, everyone knows that. But, like, when you get into, the, like, the main stretch of the plot and how that plot resolves itself, it's where the movie, it becomes less, it becomes not a fantastic Pixar movie, but just, like, a really, really good one. And I, I, like, I like the way they approach that aspect in this story, where you don't have a traditional, like, a, a big bad that you have to take care of in this film. You have kind of... A different way to go about what's how the story's evolving but i found that interesting and the fact that uh, there's not a, a a love interest in this movie either well, that's yeah. well kind of, there's three well there, are they they're not love interests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's actually kind of follows into the way that the year 2012 has been i mean snow white and the huntsman mirror mirror there's like no love in any of these like princess movies it's they've taken it out so that's kind of the trend i think yeah the independent woman Let's, we can talk about That's that. all I have to say. Yeah, okay. We can talk about that a little bit, too, the independent woman aspect. Something also I liked about this movie is the fact that I think more people were playing up that aspect than the movie actually itself does. You get the idea that, yeah, she, you know, she, wants, to, she wants to be a woman for her, so she wants to make her own choice and what have you. But I don't think the movie – I don't think the movie's like – it's it's not speaking it's not it's like all the time yeah it's not speaking as a this is this is this is a great movie for feminists it's not playing up that aspect of it it's just kind of this is what the movie is like it's not it's not highlighting that fact it's not i mean it's not at all i I think there's a lot of scenes though where the mother is telling her we want you to embroider we want you to be a lady and she keeps rejecting it i mean it's definitely i think it's it's pretty pretty in there i think i think it's i think it's i think it's there but i don't think it's I don't think there. I don't think the movie makes as big a deal out of it as people surrounding the movie have. Right. Yeah. Those scenes though didn't even necessarily strike me as you know a, a, a feminist comment. Oh, that could easily have been like a prince acts this way too. Like it could have reversed that. But you know, rather just very indicative of how a teenager and a parent figure often clash over things. The parent you know, always wants their kid to be something that they're not. And the kid is struggling for their independence, regardless of gender or whether they're princess or just, you know, some dude in the suburbs. That's a classic, you know, teenager parent struggle. There also isn't a um, kind of a, a girls can do anything boys can aspect, I think. I think it, I don't think it kind of, I don't think it suggests that either. I don't, I don't think it, again, I don't think it plays up this, the, this this big feminist deal that 
Wait, wait, that it, it does or it does? It does. I, I don't think I don't think it does. I think it does. I don't, I don't think. I, oh, it definitely does. That it does. definitely does. I, th- I think it certainly. I think it certainly. Sh- I, th- okay. I think. Aaron, I think it certainly three. shows that she's she's talented. <laughs> I think it shows that she's she has no, skill in art. There's more than that. The scene with the three suitors and the way that they all perform, and then the way she shows them up. That is clearly the most. Yeah. I mean, it's it's blaring that she is not only is she as good as the boys, she's better than the boys. descendant of Glan Dumbrock, and I'll be shooting for my own hand. What are you doing? Merida, curse this dress! Merida, stop this! Don't you dare loose another arrow! Merida, I forbid it. But she picked she picked an activity that she has tons of practice at. Something involving you know something she hadn't practiced at, then I don't necessarily think. Right. Well, we don't, we will never know that because it's we just don't. Tra- that. True, but it's traditional. This is this is whole. This is what boys do. This is what girls do, and she can do what boys do. And I think that's what I got out of. The, actually, the first half of the movie was all about how I can do whatever the boys can do and better. Uh, and that's I, that kind of says a lot about the feminist portion of this movie it's not like an undertone or anything like that it's it's out there i don't think it says a she can do anything boys can do better she says she can do archery better than these three particular guys well we don't see anything else it doesn't it doesn't present that it doesn't present that it right so all we have to just go on what the, the what the movie presents she's pretty good at riding a horse she's good at yeah. climbing mountains i mean she's yeah. she's a pretty macho girl i'd assume getting was, down for mountains as well we didn't see that there was a, <laughs> there was a there was a few first scenes in, in, in there when she was dreading having to take these princess classes and these fan, you know, whatever classes. And then she get, was excited to get her one day off where she right. Anything traditionally kind of feminine. She was rolling her eyes yes. and she when she had to wear a corset, she was upset when she had to embroider. She was upset. She didn't want to do anything feminine, but she, anything to do with archery, which were, you know, might be seen as traditionally masculine activities. That's what she gravitated towards. She liked letting her hair flow in the wind. <laughs> yes, and she did that very well. <laughs> yes, but there was one of her suitors had pretty long hair too. He didn't. He didn't enjoy letting it flow in the wind as much, though. So I, I guess girls are yeah. better at that. Uh, he also got anger issues. He had anger issues. Yeah, he did. I I like the the three suitor characters. Oh, Those I love fun. them. Those I thought they fun. were really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The my favorite is the guy that you couldn't even understand what yeah. he was yeah. saying. I, I call him Fat Brad Pitt because he's like, like talking. He's talking. He's, talk, he's talking in pikey. You can't understand. What he's saying. <laughs> Almost like a Swedish chef. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I on on the website it says that he's speaking a dialect that's very uncommon. So we can get back to the production of this film, the, just the the technical aspects of it. Um, Pixar, in the past, his rate has kind of raised their bar in animation, and I think it's tougher to do that now just because we've gotten to a certain level where like how much better can you make these movies kind of look but i think it does bring a lot of 
it, it, it brings a lot to, like, as I've said, Meredith's hair looks pretty fantastic in this movie. But, I mean, also, it's delving into a world of a, a period setting, which we haven't seen before. And I, I it looked really good. That's basically what it yeah. boils down to. But I think it, the expressions, too. Like, there's one part where she starts to cry, and the it's almost like you, it's, it's better than even a human expression. I mean, she did, a, they, the animators yeah. did a, a fantastic job with that. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a beautiful film, but one other thing that I really liked about it um, and kind of about the production is I think it does a really good job of creating this distinctly Scottish flavor. Um, you know, you have the score by Patrick Doyle. It's quite the good. Actress. I like that score a lot. Yes. You have the lush greenery, and it definitely has a very distinct sense of place and time um, that I think helps sell the story, and I, I thought it was very strong in that regard. Jumping back to even before the movie started we had i just want to talk about this a little bit because when do we ever get a chance to we had the uh the animated short la luna that preceded the oh, film yeah. which was i'm sorry the academy award nominated la luna which preceded the the, uh, the film which it did not win no it did not win it the other mr <laughs> i was gonna say mr Megorium, mr whatever's <laughs> book emporium thing that that, that you've <laughs> seen all that you saw i saw the shorts, i saw, I saw all the yeah. shorts yes and yeah i see and but I and I liked another. I didn't even like that one. Well, I liked all of them, but that's yeah. not the one I would have chosen. I chose the the completely weird one that involved a chicken that going through time. Had no oh, chance. Yeah. That had no chance of winning. No, correct. No but uh, opposed to the one that won, which I actually thought was kind of Oscar bait, which is hilarious it, it to totally me. It totally is. Yeah, but uh, reading is good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, La Luna <laughs> is the short that precedes the Pixar film, and did we like? I I'd like to think that we probably liked La Luna, but did you guys like La Luna? I liked it quite a bit. Very sweet. I think it's beautiful. Uh, it also kind of it counteracts the mother daughter relationship by having basically a father son relationship going on in that little seven minute. And grandfather. And yeah, exactly. generations of man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's just like that Michael Douglas movie. Oh God. I, I like how they are both the the two older men are pushing the brooms that look like their own mustaches yes yeah that was clever yeah it was what it was it was what it was <laughs> it was i wasn't i mean the story i mean whatever i was i was like after a while i was like get to the uh oh i mean it's a short still clearly Marcus, i know it Marcus, was just, it was a short and i was tuned out in a minute marcus so. is clearly just upset that he did not get the janitor job of sweeping up the moon that exactly i know <laughs> I, I got i got past it's ruining it aaron <laughs> <laughs> also the the score in that short was really well done um by michael Giacchino. Giacchino. yeah yeah and i just remember that it was just oh it was very there's a lot of uh, accordion in it and it's just really nice and it fit very much with the mood of the film yeah. All right. So, um, getting back to Brave, just to wrap up because we do have a whole another movie to review. Let's uh, provide our rating. Each week on Out Now, we try to rate films based on when you should go and see them. And um, so we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater, Dollar Theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kind of forget about it. Before I ask each of you what that rating is, did we all see it in 3D? I actually only saw this movie in 2D. Saw it in 2D. 2D. I've seen it. I've seen it both ways. I saw it in 3D. <laughs> you saw it twice. Wow. Nice well, job. I, Mark, how did you I saw an early screening a couple of weeks ago, and then I went with my nephew yesterday. Okay. Mark, how did you see it? I, I saw it in 2D. Okay. Now, I'm curious because the film ends with two dark characters fighting in a dark setting. So I was wondering, yes. how does that work in 3D? Usually, animated films are the ones that I don't mind so much in 3D. But because a lot of the film takes place at night, and that scene you alluded to is very dark... 
it's very, very hard to see. Mm-hmm. It's I also think that yeah. the 3D is, you don't really actually need it. I don't really no, think don't, there was... Yeah. 3D yeah. is always there was nothing that was like, you But know. it's super dark. It's, t- it's hard to see. Right. They should have made a conscious effort like Avatar did to brighten up the images for the 3D release so then the lenses would have countered it to the proper brightness level, but they didn't do that. Okay, so getting back to our rating, on, on our scale that we presented, uh, uh, Mark, how would you uh, rate Brief? I mean, I think you should see it in a theater because I think the beautiful beauty of the animation demands that, but I, I would have to say dollar theater. Um, or uh, Maxwell. I would definitely say go see it in the theater. Marcus. Definitely in the theater, not in 3D. Abe. Yeah, theater. And I am at theater too. All right, so that is our review for Brave. To, well, just to get, go to our 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 other segment that we do for each movie, we have movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. And this is where we um, kind of make reference to a few films that we may, maybe thought of during or after having seen the uh, the feature that we've reviewed. Let's start again with Mark. Mark, would any movies come to mind while you were watching? Well, I mean, th- these are so obvious, but uh, I-, I just thought of other Disney uh, princesses, particularly Princess Jasmine and Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I- in fact, there's a- a- several parallels in this film to Beauty and the Beast. And so <laughs> yeah. those two, yeah, those two I-, I thought were the most obvious. Uh, Maxwell. Maybe it's just because of the hair color, but I was Little Mermaid all the way. The <laughs> yeah. red hair. Similar yeah. similarities between Ariel and Merida, but yeah, I mean, this film is going to call back to anything. It's Disney princesses. It's, you know, no doubt. Uh, Marcus. I would have to say almost like a, a, a Mulan kind of thing going on here. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what... Definitely, yeah. That's yeah. a good call. Oh, and if, if I could just jump back in quick, I'd no, say... No, you can't. Definitely... Abe? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> definitely some similarities to uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Yes, that's mm-hmm. actually... Oh, yeah, that's definitely. Actually, that's actually one In terms line. of the character design and the visuals and the time period. And even just kind of the way the, the I guess, offspring, son character in that movie reflects kind of he wants to make his own choices as opposed to what his father wants to have for him kind of thing versus... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, How to Train Your Dragon was on mine, as well as Finding Nebo, because of kind of the, in one story you have a father-daughter, father-son relationship, the other one you have a mother-daughter relationship, so just kind of, kind of the way they counteract each other. And um, this was this was surprising to me, because I thought of this film, and then I read um, friend of the show Scott Mendelson's review, and uh, we both referenced the same movie, which was Whip It, the Drew Barrymore film, and which stars Ellen Page as kind of a roller... Oh. Uh, and uh, which is a good movie i think that movie's un- that movie was underseen i'd say when it came out and it is a good movie it is a good movie and the, there's a mother-daughter relationship in that movie which i think is very strong and very familiar to brave in many ways better and um i was very, i was just very surprised that, that i read that in scott mendelson's review. like i was thinking of whippets also <laughs> <laughs> um hey benny uh yeah actually uh beauty and the beast uh, but more so on the the, the beast side uh, and also brother bear Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's our discussion for Brave, which is you know we all we all liked. <laughs> so let's. Uh, Jesus. Okay, we got a whole another movie to review. Um, this should be fun. Uh, here we go. But uh, and, uh, Mark, you did not see the next movie, but feel free to you know hang out and ask us any questions you might have. Sure, I, I might be able to further along the conversation yeah. of the next movie we're talking about, which is I- Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Four score and seven years ago. There 
is darkness everywhere, Mr. Lincoln. Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Vampires have been in the new world for centuries. Now we are engaged in a great civil war. These brave men shall not have died in vain. It's time vampires had a nation of our own. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, the <laughs> genre mashup film based off the book by Seth Graham Smith, which involves Abraham's Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's life as a vampire hunter. Um, he also co-wrote the screenplay, by the way, uh, or not co-wrote, he wrote the, adapted the screenplay of his own book for this film. And it is, in fact, a biopic of sorts to the loosest extent, which merges the life of Abraham Lincoln with his fictional double life as a hunter of vampires. Um, after, you know, it starts out with Abe at a young age, after losing his mother to a member of the undead, he vows revenge and eventually grows up and teams up to become, well, he teams up with uh, with uh, Henry Sturgis, played by Dominic Cooper, who trains him to hunt bloodsuckers using a axe coated with silver. And what follows is kind of a series of events that tie up the events of Lincoln's life to his, as a eventual politician, to his life as a vampire slayer. And, of course, spinning axe, jujitsu hijinks ensue. So let's start. Let's start. Let's start with Abe on this one. Abe, what did you think of Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter? It is the most historically accurate film I've ever seen in my life. I was I was blown away, but uh, now it's a it's a ridiculously ludicrous film. Um, but I found it to be ridiculously ludicrously entertaining as well. Um, it's it's actually just also very busy and very extensive. It kind of goes through a lot of Abraham Lincoln's life. Apparently. All of it, um, and uh, it, it's also just really poorly, like written. But at the same time, the action sequences are great. Um, I actually liked a lot of the the terrible one-liners. Um, the vampires are they're interesting, but at the same time, they're also just really dumb and dull. Um, and a lot of the side characters are people that you can root for. So it. It's a terrible film, but I had a fun time watching it and discussing it afterwards with people that I watched it with. All right. Um, Maxwell. Um, okay. I'll start off by saying that I actually have read the book a couple years ago and quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very clever, um, and I think this movie is anything but clever. Um, I actually thought it was pretty awful. Um, I will say that Benjamin Walker, I think, is very charismatic um, and does a good job of sort of evolving with Abe Lincoln from the young man to the president that we all know. I think it's an impressive performance, and I feel like he's going to be uh, getting a lot of work to come. But beyond that, I think it's a really ugly, loud movie that emphasizes slow motion and, you know, these action techniques that, you know, should have died, you know, years ago in filmmaking. Um, I think it jumps around in time a lot. It gets very confusing. Like in one scene, you know, he's a young guy, and then all of a sudden, oh, he wants to be in politics. He's the president. Well, he's stood on a soapbox, which indicates, obviously, that he's going right. to become president uh, one day. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he's but, very serious. I'm pretty sure yeah. it said soapbox on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> what confused me about that is that 
we jump in time and he looks like the Abe Lincoln we all know. He looks older, he has the beard, but then Anthony Mackie still looks the same damn age. So I'm like, wait, is he a secret vampire? What's going so, on? So does Mary Todd. Gray hair. So does Mary Todd. Well, they gave her a little gray in her hair, but <laughs> they're... I just found it like, really sloppy and inconsistent and, and you know, Timur Bekmembetov likes his slow motion way too much. Uh, uh, Give me a headache. Oh, man. Marcus... Oh, where do I where do I start? This it was a train wreck. I, I the slow motion reminded me of some kid in middle school that just loved Star Wipe, so he had to just <laughs> do Star Wipe. <laughs> this was just every little chance there was slow motion. I think if they took out all the slow motion, this would have been ten minutes in and out. Um, <laughs> the parts where they weren't killing vampires were boring and to sit through the parts where they were killing vampires were just kind of whatever they got kind of boring too after a while it, it just it wasn't good it wasn't good it, and it, it the big it, maybe the biggest flaw in this movie it just took itself way too seriously yes. there was a few little cornball jokes in it but they didn't work they did it, you have you have a movie with the potential you have uh, the whole reason for for the Emancipation Proclamation is because of these uh, uh, racist uh, vampires who want to who want to want to keep the South alive, right? And you don't have any jokes in there for that. You can't even like it was so poorly written. It was poorly directed. It was just a mess. It was it was it was bad. I I really don't have any much more to say about <laughs> about that. The, um, now I've read the book too, and I really enjoyed the book and was upset that this movie, and I mean, going into this movie, like I've seen the trailers before, like I already knew that it wasn't going to resemble the book very much in terms of how stylized it was and knowing it's Timber, Timur Bekmembetov style opposed to kind of the book, which is, which is written kind of, it's written like as a, as a kind of secret diary, which you, which is in the film to extent, but it's written as kind of a journal. That's kind of the writing stuff. It's written as someone finding this journal and reading those journal entries. And so it kind of, it, it, it feels like a well-researched book because it literally ties in various events of Abraham Lincoln's life to this, you know, fictional world of him being a vampire hunter. And I thought that was pretty creative and fun. This movie is very much a generic kind of just action-y movie that happens to have the coding of being a, a period film with vampires in it. And that's upsetting because it essentially, it makes it, what, what's annoying is that this movie is exactly what people unfamiliar with the book would kind of expect it to be. It's not anything better. It's not creative beyond like some action bits here and there. It's not particularly fun. It is too serious. And it, it gives movies with this kind of premise, a bad name to it in a way where, which is weird to say, but like, you see a movie like this, and you think it's going to be a movie like this, which is, it, yeah. it's, it's not something better. It's not something like, uh, what's a good example of this? I've tried. I thought of like, well, Cowboys and Aliens isn't a good example, so that doesn't count. Uh, but even <laughs> even like Jesus Christ Vampire Slayer, Jesus Christ Vampire Slayer, yeah, <laughs> Snakes on a Plane, almost just because that movie's actually entertaining for yeah. what it is. Like exactly. it's it just it feels like. It's, it's a goofy idea for a story, and that's exactly what it turns out to be, which is unfortunate because there is a book version of this that is – that is, it's clever. It's beyond what it's – how goofy its title may sound. So that's – it's sad that th that happened to turn out that way, and because – yeah, in the movie, 
it's not it's not good. Like I I had a little I think I had more fun than Maxwell and Marcus have. I, I don't I don't think I enjoyed it in the way that Abe did quite. I didn't have. We had some drinks before. That okay. There you go. <laughs> there we go. And it was a lot of things. A lot of the reasons amount to just like world building stuff. Like you get Abraham Lincoln yes. and he becomes a vampire hunter, but. There's no real, there's no, like, he's not gifted in any way. He just, he's just told by Dominic Cooper that if you're, if you're truly honest, Dave, you can do this. And like, okay, that means I can chop this tree down now. I'd like you to chop this tree down with a single swing. That tree? It's got to be more than a foot across. That's impossible. But it isn't a tree. It's what you hate most in the world. So tell me, Mr. Lincoln, what do you hate? I hate that my mother was taken away. Inadequate. I hate that we were afraid. And? That my mother and father, everyone that we knew, lived in fear. Pathetic. I hate that I was too small. Too weak. Yes. And that you failed. Yes. To protect her. Yes. And that you let her die. Power, Lincoln. Real power comes not from hate, but from truth. <laughs> it makes no no sense, and I'm not saying a movie called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter needs to make sense, but it needs to have some kind of rules that you can base things off of. Any movie needs to have some kind of a way to establish its world, and the only way it does that is by providing stylized action sequences with having little context as to why these are stylized action sequences. Like, why does he need to do axe foo twirling axe stuff around when he, like because he's like clearly because, because it's training for a later scene involving horses because he's not okay <laughs> okay that can, <laughs> maxwell can I ask a question oh sorry go, go, go. Well, i was just gonna yeah, ask yeah. maxwell you you had mentioned in your uh, review of this film that uh the uh who, what was the name of the guy that was the star Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Walker. Walker. Benjamin Walker. You said his performance was good. Do you think that uh, Daniel Day Lewis should be worried <laughs> for his for his biography I mean, later on this year? Obviously, that's a ridiculous question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, mean, I asked it in all seriousness. No, I mean, they're you know, even though I'm, I'm playing Walker with you, does yeah. a good job, he's playing a very different you know version of the character. It's a more heightened. Um, version that has some tropes of the classic action hero um it's more of like a movie star performance whereas obviously daniel day lewis we expect to be more internal and you know realistic but i i will say i have seen benjamin walker on the stage in new york he's a broadway veteran and he's a very talented guy he can sing he does stand-up comedy so i definitely think he's gonna be a big star and he's married to meryl streep's daughter Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He, he did have a nice screen presence. I'll give him that. He, yeah, I, I did like his. Uh... Okay, he was okay. They didn't give him much to do. No, they didn't give him much Except to do. World. But that... They didn't give him much to do. No, but that said, I, I mean, it, it, it could have been a lot worse. It, but the, uh, it, it. I don't know about that. His pre- his presence didn't bother me, and I didn't think that what he would, what he was required to do in this movie. I, I think he did what he what he needed to do, except that he did have a grim face on the whole time because the movie took itself too seriously. But I'm I, not... I, I let me also say that this movie did have better makeup than J. Edgar. Yes, I'm not sure yeah, there true. a lot of other young actors could have convincingly played old Lincoln because I felt when he was playing President Lincoln, I felt he was much older. Yeah, that's kind of where I 
with the Jay, that I with the was Jay, pretty impressive. The Jay Edgar comment, which is half joking but half serious, it he does work as older Lincoln. I think it. I mean, it's not not to the extent that something like Daniel Day Lewis will in the upcoming Spielberg right. version of Lincoln. But in terms of the kind of movie that this is, I was. I, it didn't bother me that this was obviously a young guy playing an old Lincoln. I felt he worked yeah. in that role, okay. in that in that position. I was, I was upset to hear that Spielberg uh, removed all the vampires from his version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wildly yeah. inaccurate to to fact. I mean, I, I heard I... that uh, Nicolas Cage was in contention for this role, and he lost out to Benjamin Walker. I'm wondering what you guys think about if he had played the part. Uh, obviously, that would have made this the best movie of the year. Okay, moving <laughs> yeah, on, Mark, exactly. is what we're going to say. I think it would, I think it would have been more entertaining. Um, for everybody who saw or who, who read the book, I mean, there's a weird uh, there's a weird thing in this movie where it almost alludes to the fact that, that the only reason uh, Lincoln even wanted to do any kind of emancipation proclamation wasn't even because he liked black people. It was because he wanted to avenge his mother. Uh, is that, is that, does it come through in, in this movie? Like, oh, yes, yes, we see him interact with the black person at the very beginning. And then, you know, he interacts with a few black people. He shakes one's hand and, and he has a black best friend. And then, but it's, it's Vampire Hunter. Like, I have another ulterior motive, which is Vampire Hunter. You know, and getting rid of all these slave owners. Yeah, no, the the pro yeah the problem with this movie is that well, I mean among the problems with this movie is that it does it streamlines a lot of what the it it feels like a completely different thing. If in which is odd considering that it's the same author for both the screenplay and the book, it fe yeah. it feels like this is a movie that was written to be a studio action blockbuster movie. Okay, the book is yeah. very different. It has a lot of, uh, has a lot more. It do it does a lot of. Not not necessarily deep exploration of the Lincoln character, but it does tie things in and makes things justified in where they go. And there's not a there's not really a narrative to the book. Into like it, it's more it's a biography to an extent because it's but it's like written by Lincoln. But it's uh -huh. it's not, it doesn't have there's no there's no sidekick character. There's no central villain character. There's none of those elements in the in the book version. This is all huh. all of these aspects were made up for this movie, and and yeah, and, uh -huh. and the Mary Todd Lincoln thing, and now she's the de facto love interest which by the way alan tudyk is in this movie always good to have alan tudyk in a movie but he just disappears yeah he doesn't do yeah. anything I, he actually exactly. tweeted the other day that his role was significantly I can cut imagine. Which, yeah oh really yeah. Me, made me question it felt like there were a lot of loose ends how much longer the movie was that they filmed and how much they butchered it and bringing it to what we've seen now because it it sets up these things and then they never follow through on them it's very messy yeah alan alan tudyk's in this movie as um stephen douglas the, stephen the douglas. yeah the, oppo the opposing <laughs> politician for abraham lincoln to, to go up against and they gotta get laugh in the theater yeah and he literally yeah he literally and so sort of harriet tubman but uh just the <laughs> of having these characters but um he, he literally appears for like a, a scene introduces who he is then he disappears, and then he's like in one scene later on where he's like, "I'm looking angry," and that's it. That's like his role in the movie. It's like, yeah, there's, it's the there's some poor editing going on here in terms of, obviously yeah. a lot was taken out, but also I don't know if I want to see that version either because the movie's so damn serious about everything. Where yeah. It, yeah, exactly. it, as much as I'm I'm not a huge fan of the giant stampede action sequence, I still <laughs> would have liked to have more crazy giant stampede action sequences. Well, at least the movie would be funner. It could have been more knowing of its own, you know, comic 
you know, potential. Yeah. That's all. That's all I want. I mean, I wanted a few jokes about vampires or something. Yeah. Like it was so it, super. Ooh, vampire hunter is is like the equivalent of being president. Yeah. And it it was I, I don't know I. <laughs> Actually, was, like one of the things that um one of the things that we had that just we talked about after the movie was and I I never read the book so I was actually really uh kind of bummed out that they kind of didn't leave it as Abe Lincoln a young Abe Lincoln before yeah. he decided to go into politics um as Vampire Hunter because I was thinking oh it's gonna end when he decides to go into politics but I was kind of really disappointed with how busy it got later with everything and you know just. How everything ties into vampire hunting is what uh, I forget who alluded to it earlier. Um, yeah, because they're, they're essentially a, like, well, it's okay. Now, now we've just redeemed the South because they actually weren't that bad. It was all vampires that did it. Like that's yeah. like what? If you need another, <laughs> if you need another reason to hate this, you know, slave owners, then I guess you have one because they're all vampires. Yeah, <laughs> we can look at the interview with Vampire already, but <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of on the fence, but now I no, don't see it. No, different. run, no. You I had the right idea. Vampires to slave owners, personally. <laughs> well, one one thing that kind of bothered me. You were mentioning the uh, the horse stampede scene, yes. and then there's also this elaborate climactic action scene yes. involving oh. a train. And, you know, the budget for a summer movie was pretty low at $68 million because I can't imagine they would give a movie with this title any more than that. But it still seems like these scenes were designed for a bigger budget, so they look bad. I mean, they look very cartoony. There's obvious green screen work. Things don't seem to be rendered out fully. Like, they ran out of money to do these elaborate scenes, and that, you know, makes what could have been interesting and, you know, even original with that stampede scene, action sequences just fall on their face, I, I think. I'll agree with the stampede sequence. I think the train sequence is, was better. I, I, I enjoyed that sequence. It is a little better. I, yeah, I mean, but the, yeah, we're, we're really gearing up for the video game that's going to follow, so they needed to create all these really hard levels. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> another problem with the movie. It does feel like I'm just watching a video game as opposed to really yeah. being engaged by what should be kind of, you know, a fun, if not exciting action sequence that involves putting Abe and his giant spinning axe against vampires coming out. And yeah, it's just not, it's not as fun as it could be. It's not, I mean, it, it, it's not good in that manner. It's not, it's not, it, even if it's not going to be like clever, like the book in terms of how it plays the story out, it could have at least been, well, at least we still have like really fun sequences that involve a fighting vampires, but we don't really get that. We get like we get two huge act. Well, we get I guess three huge action sequences. Two of them are memorable. One of them is maybe better accomplished out of out of all of them, but it's they're just not very fun overall. And it it comes down to yeah, like the the effects are kind of wonky. The the movie's too serious, and it's. It's uh, the, the world-building issue that I had in terms of kind of establishing how Abe is supposed to be, like, really... And Anthony Mackie, to that extent, too. Apparently, Abe trained him in the off-season for spinning axe, <laughs> spinning axe lessons. Well, they're sharing it, yeah. They're, they're, they're double-team supreming it. It was amazing. In the, in the fun, even in, in the... In the in, in, even if you were just to, to say, okay, this is an action film, whatever, it, it it's almost like in the final sequences, it's it's... Like a lamer version of a of a lethal weapon, like a black and white buddy comedy with no comedy, like uh, jumping from buildings and junk like that. And no, no, not jumping from buildings, but it, that's what it reminded me of. Just a lamer, 
like lethal weapon. Yeah, it feels like yeah, it feels no comedy. I describe I just gotta describe this in my review. It feels like a generic action movie. Like it, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's an ambitious genre mashup idea. It just feels like yeah, yeah. And then Abe, you know, he, he slays a vampire and like says something <laughs> cool. It like it's not yeah, it's just not very fun as it as a premise like this could be. Yeah, and and yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the supporting cast is nothing in this movie. Like we maybe Dominic Cooper has like Dominic the most, Cooper's good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Like he has the uh, he seems to be the most beyond Benjamin Walker. He seems to be the most like knowing of the movie that he's in, where he's yeah. delivering lines with a sense of urgency, but also with a sense of like I'm playing this up kind of thing. Yeah. While right. while like Anthony Mackie, he's just nothing in this movie. Like he he's supposed to be no, Abraham yeah. Lincoln's like best friend, but he's just he's nobody. He's nobody. See, he's like a prop. He's like what he is. He's a prop. He's a prop, and who manages to have the the possibly the greatest line in maybe the year where he says a fork but <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. But, uh, yeah like uh what's her name mary ramona flowers or mary elizabeth winston yeah ramona flowers exactly she, she's she's around as the obligatory love interest who gets really angry or really concerned for no apparent reason and because she's very dim apparently because she didn't realize dominic cooper looks the same throughout the 40 years that she's known him and uh, <laughs> he's wearing those weird glasses yeah Actually, Dominic Cooper gets credit for also ch- for like channeling the look of Sherlock Holmes because they seem to like dress- <laughs> they have the, set, the exact same tailor, yeah. despite being in different parts of the world. And uh, what's his name? Jimmy Jimmy Simpson is also like another like comedic kind of co actor here. One of, one of the McPoyle brothers from Always Sunny. Um, <laughs> and uh, Rufus Sewell, Rufus Sewell, who I love in Dark City and like in other things that I see him pop in, just because. I like seeing Rufus Sewell get work. He just, he's so, he's just so bland as the villain. He literally just shows up and he's like, here's my lines. I'm intimidating. And that's it. Like, there's nothing for him to do in this movie. Like, yeah, he exits actually really uh, <laughs> stupidly as well. He does. Yes. Yeah. We, we were all bummed out about that. Yeah, we were expecting a lot, a, a bigger fanfare kind of thing. Given the fact that vampires have special powers and given Abe's, his, he's not. He wasn't the best when it came to a certain special power that vampires right. have. Yeah. The one time he needed to, he was able. To. Yeah, considering he'd been able to like evade everything for five thousand years, and then you know yeah. the way that he goes out, it's like, are you serious, man? <laughs> Can I offer? I I like Rufus Sewell as well. And if you want to see a good Rufus Sewell movie, watch The Illusionist. The uh, film with uh, edward norton yeah, that, that's a uh, example. it's such a great film he's, and he's the he's the baddie in that film and it's a, it's a good movie yeah now uh, to to counteract that one do not watch the legend of zorro which has him as the baddie in that film <laughs> <laughs> noted right, right now ever played do not watch Sorry? legend of zorro that one was has better Rufus than ever played a, a good guy well he's i mean he's the protagonist in dark city um he's that's through he um he's the he was in the 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 stars adaptation of the ken follett book series um pillars of the earth he was the oh yeah he was he's also he's a good baddie in a knight's tale as well but not a good guy but he's uh, just pointing out other good roles that he's made. he's a good bad guy in a yeah. guy. and um <laughs> i i don't want to talk about the tourist ever again so i'm not going to Ugh. um <laughs> um what other movie was that? Yeah, I mean, he's not a he's not a huge actor, so. But yeah, I, I mean, I like seeing him in movies, but yeah, it's disappointing to see you know him play just another like I'm supposed to be intimidating here. But I mean, while we're at it, Anthony Mackie has done some really great films too. He has, yeah. yeah. Half but, Nelson, yeah. I love that film. I, I do too. I'm a big. And then yeah, uh, the Hurt Locker as well, which is unfortunate because he's been kind of given 
after the Hurt Locker, where you know he received obviously he gets some pretty good praise. He he's kind of been in these kind of supporting roles in random movies, like uh, Man on a Ledge earlier in the year. Is it? Oh, and he was in what was that one? Uh, just about the robots. Uh, Real Steel. The Real, Real Steel. Steel. Yeah. yeah, he kind of pops up in these uh, these kind of nothing. But he's and... I, he's not. Mem- it's not a good role for him. Yeah, it's not it's... his. It's certainly not his fault. It's just yeah, he's been given. He's getting this chance to be in bigger movies, but he's just kind of given like just be this kind of guy in the background for a couple scenes, kind of. Yeah. Right. And it's unfortunate. He... He, he did do a Broadway play as well that he was quite good in. I, I think that was probably his best post-Hurt Locker role. It's a shame that there's more opportunity for him on the stage than in, in films. He should be getting much bigger roles. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping, and I'd be very satisfied if he was able to get... Um... Black Panther? Yeah, like, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say, Black Panther. I, should, I, I really liked last year's Adjustment Bureau. I did I too, that, actually. Yeah, I thought no, that was, that was very cool. underrated. Yeah, it was very underrated. I yes. agree. All right, so um, anything else to say about Abraham? <laughs> anything else to say about Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter? Before we wrap up here, no, no, okay. No. All right, so then let's get to big hot mess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, actually, hold on. One, one thing. There's an action sequence in like Louisiana or something like in a, in Adam's like swamp palace. Actually, I'm just gonna go with that. In Adam's swamp palace, where like. Abraham Lincoln's fighting vampire. Actually, it's one of the cooler vampire fighting sequences. And, you know, credit to this movie for... I think the vampires actually do... Looks kind of, you know, terrifying. Or they they look like like threatening vampires for a change, which is a nice thing to see. And the... Um, i happy that the movie was R-rated, even though it's not... Didn't really deliver too much on having, like, crazy gore sequences. But, I mean... There was a few that were... Small, small victories. Dumb gore sequences. Yeah. But it's a small victories for having a summer action movie that's R-rated and didn't shy away from having vampire blood and gore going on. But anyway. It's just a shame it wasn't good. Yeah, it's a shame that it wasn't good. <sighs> but, but okay, so at Adam Swamp Palace, Abraham Lincoln and Anthony Mackie are confronted with conflict. And suddenly, Jimmy Simpson pops in with a stand, with like his his um <laughs> his freaking wagon train thing. He bursts in, he like drifts into the room, literally. <laughs> he drifts in. Yeah. And then like they It's like a lethal weapon moment. Yeah, they like immediately escape with like no harm, no foul. It was like the most ridiculous escape sequence of <laughs> all time. Was, was I the, the only one that was confused as to why the whole color palette changed in that scene? Yes. Right. Yes. It was like yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> it was literally like the only one. it was nice and brown and warm and then it became dark and cold and blue again. It was like, What's <laughs> happening? Yeah, it's very uh, unclear i was i was baffled yeah all right so with all that out of the way uh where would we on the same scale that we've used before of course where would we put abraham lincoln vampire hunter let's start with maxwell um i'd watch it on an iphone in a porta potty awesome <laughs> really get the smell experience as well yeah <laughs> the robert rodriguez presents smell vision that that experience uh spike kids for joke um abe uh hbo uh marcus uh what's the lowest one uh, forget about it. Forget about forget, it. Yes, forget all about this movie. Just don't even. Yeah. I, I would say if, if it was on HBO, we'd be like, yeah, all right, I'll watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire. <laughs> that's that's real bad. Um, right after like the you know Alvin the Chipmunk ship chipwrecked comes on and like Abraham Lincoln Vampire <laughs> Hunters oh, next. Oh man. You're like, wow, that's a deep <laughs> double feature. I'd be foolish not to watch this. That's that's where what I got. What an afternoon. <laughs> sure, <man. laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, so that's, I think, where we are on Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I'm sure Mark Homan's, like, desperately trying to get off this podcast so he can go see it right now. But we still have a few more things to go over. Uh, box office this week. Um, each week we go over the box office totals and find out if our previous predictions were anywhere close. Let's uh, start. Abe, do you recall what your box office prediction was last week? Uh, I said Brave number one, but I don't know if I said 50 or 60. You, said, you said 60. 
Okay. Um, uh, I went lowest. I said 55. Uh, Leah went highest with 75. And actually, Liz is our winner because she guessed 65. And Brave came in with a, with a nice 66 million gross, which is pretty on par for Pixar movies in general. But, uh, you know, it did. that's nice. that's certainly pretty good. It's better than, uh, I mean, it doubled um, Cars 2's total, I believe it was like in the 30s last year when it in its opening weekend. No, Cars 2 made in the 60s. In the 60s? Open, opening weekend? Are you sure? Positive. Are you? Uh-huh. No. Okay, you nailed me. What was I thinking of then? Maybe Ratatouille. That was kind of low. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yes, Brave opened up to 66 million this weekend, so, you know, good for Brave. Um, oh, Madagascar 3 managed to come in second place. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, 16 million in third place. Kind of expected. Not a, not an outright bomb, though, so that's, I guess, something for it. I mean, I mean that's a movie that could have easily made, did nothing this weekend. But Speaking of doing nothing, unfortunately, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World opened very low. It did. and It's in less theaters. It's but... in less theaters. It's R-rated. It has a darker premise. But it still managed to crack the top ten. That's nice for it. Yeah. Uh, you and I you both... You saw that, Maxwell? Yeah, I loved it, actually. And... Uh, I know Aaron loved it. I did, I yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree I, with I, Aaron. I thought it was quite good i think there's there's obvious there's there's some obvious issues i have with it that i could have taken more more concern with if i didn't just love the movie overall with everything else that it did and it was my favorite movie that came out this past week if not most of the month i believe actually i really i really like seeking a friend for the end of the world and would recommend that wholeheartedly um but also would say that the movie certainly doesn't try to compromise which is something i really enjoyed about it in terms of it delivers on its title so what else happened this week? Prometheus is in fourth place. It crossed $100 million, so that's nice for that movie. Snow White and the Huntsman It's doing all right. Good enough because it's on my box office gamble list. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Those are on my gamble list. And, Same. And yeah. uh, Marvel's uh, The Avengers is literally going to cross the $600 million mark like in, like in two hours or so. <laughs> so <laughs> two hours. <laughs> And Men in Black Three is doing pretty well as, as well. Yeah. Like I, it's crossed 500 million worldwide. So you know, wow. it's 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 certainly no, it's not a flop. That's for sure. Despite the, it's not a huge success given that it has a high budget. But people did want to go and see a big Willy Weekend movie. So there you go. Who can blame them? All right, yeah. All right oh, let's. Uh, Abe, do you think we have time? Oh, I definitely think we have time. Do you think we have time? I think we have a little bit of time for some games. That hasty right. assembled composition, of course, means it's time for games. <laughs> and um, let's uh, let's uh, I'll keep stalling because I'm trying to think of a game we should play. <laughs> 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 let's play some games. Let's play the ABC game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Abe likes this game apparently, even though he gets out most of the time early on. Okay. Oh no, no, Jurassic Park is there, buddy. Okay. So you have your J. Okay, so Marcus <laughs> and anyone else that's not familiar with the ABCs movies, this is a game where we essentially name a we we take to, we go in alphabetical order, fittingly, and we name the we name the movie corresponding with the letter of the alphabet that we are on. So we will start with A, and I would say A is for Alien, and then A it would be Abe's turn, and he would describe he would say a movie that starts with B, and then we proceed down that line. I will just kind of count it out. If you take more than like three seconds, you're out. If you can't think of one. Okay. okay. We will go in alphabetical order, which means that it will be myself, then Abe, then Mark, then Marcus, then Maxwell. Did you also mention the? Uh, oh the yeah, article? and the other, the other important, important rule: no articles. Articles do not count. So you can't use like The Simpsons. 
you, the counts as T, um, so no, you have to use a movie that starts with the letter of the alphabet. But you cannot use The Simpsons to count for S, too, correct? You, correct, you cannot, you guys. No, you I, I made that mistake okay. last time. Okay, so yeah, so no, yeah, no. So any title that begins with the letter The is just basically off limits. Yeah, exactly, unless you're on the letter T, right. which you should have no trouble doing. <laughs> so <there you> go. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure's on. Okay, so we will begin now, and I will begin with Alien Resurrection. Brave. Uh, Carrie. Um, dogma. <laughs> Euro trip. Wow. <laughs> I'm out. I can't. Wow. I forgot to think of an F. <laughs> what letter are we at? F. H. F. Oh, F. Um, uh, Fantastic with Mr. Fox. Gandhi. Uh, Hellboy. Inception. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Kill Bill. Uh, let me in. Monsters Incorporated. Night Watch. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, uh I'm out. Dude, um, out. What's the letter? P or Q? P. 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 Pulp Fiction. Oh, jeez. Am I on Q? Yes. Quiz Show. Boom. Ooh. Good movie. <laughs> Mic drop. Raging Bull. Maxwell. Sound of Music. Um. Ooh, are we having a judge? Is it Sound of Music or the Sound? It's just Sound. Oh, it might be the Sound. It's the music. Sound of Music. It is. Ah, all right. Uh, I'm... Uh, uh, is is it back to S then? Yes. Sunshine. Uh, Teen Wolf. You. <laughs> you is not a movie, eh, Mark? You are the winner of today. <laughs> 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 You've done it. Go, Mark. All right. I won? Yes, you won. You Yay! won. Bravo. Turn around. There's a present waiting for you. <laughs> Should be nothing. <laughs> Got you. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, okay, let's move on then to what we're going to talk about next week, because that's how you play games. Uh, we're <laughs> going to talk about, well, this movie, since G.I. Joe is not happening, we're going to talk about Seth MacFarlane's yeah. latest, which was moved into its place, um, the film Ted. Uh, the new, of course, Seth MacFarlane, his first directed theatrical feature, which stars Mark Wahlberg and his teddy bear companion. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Let's uh, let's do a little, little little box office predicting. What do we think Ted's going to do next weekend? What do we even think it's going to be number one? Already, let, let's see what else comes out next yeah. week. Um, Steven Soderbergh's yeah. male, male stripper movie, Things I Want to Say More. Um, Steven Soderbergh's male stripper movie, Mag Magic Mike, comes out. Um, Medea's Witness Protection comes out. Oh, no. Oh, Jordan's waiting for that one like crazy. Oh, um, please. Marcus, I know what you're going to go see. And, no, and yeah, I, not that. And I believe uh, People Like Us, the uh, Chris Pine, Elizabeth Banks movie also comes out next weekend. So, yeah, like there's like four movies coming out next weekend. Um, oh, God, there is a Medea movie, though. That kind of that's a screw into things, whether <laughs> that'll be number one or not. So, uh, yeah, Marcus, on the show, we tend to like to predict what what place we think the next week's movie will come in and with how much money. Okay. So um, if anyone has an ant, has a guess for that right now. For Ted? For Ted, yes. Ted. Um, probably in second place. I think the, that male stripper movie is going to beat it out. Over, over Medea, do you think? Hopefully, and yeah, there is Brave is still out as well. Like, I mean, yeah, I think Brave will be number one again. Think so? Yeah, and Ted and and Medea will battle it out for for second and third place. 
All right, well, let's get back on track then. So, Marcus, do you think Ted? Will, oh, what do you, you think of Ted will land? I'll I'll move Ted back to back to three. Okay, yeah. Move and... Ted back to three, and maybe I don't know, fifty, forty, forty mil. I think it'll be pretty big. All right, forty. Okay. I actually have it. I think it's a dark horse for my, my box, my summer box office wave. Cool. Okay. Um. Yeah, Maxwell. What do you What do you think? Uh, I don't think it's going to do that well. I think it'll be all right, maybe high teens, but I, I just don't see it hitting big. It, with the R rating, is a tough hurdle, and I don't know if that many adults want to see a movie about a teddy bear and Family Guy is not as popular as it once was. But I could be wrong. What place do you think will land? Uh, third. Third, and what do you what do you think in like fifteen something like that? High teens, high. eighteen, nineteen. Eighteen, nineteen. All right, uh, Mark. Uh, I'm gonna say second. I think Brave will be number one, and Ted will come in at number two. And uh, I'm going to say 20. I, I kind of am with Maxwell, although I'm saying a higher total. I, I don't think it's going to be very. It's going to be a very big film. All right, Dave. Damn, that was a good guess, Mark. Um, I'm going to say third, and I'll say uh, I'll say 24. I'm curious. I'm very, this is a very curious weekend to be. I mean, I think, yeah, I think Brave will most likely be number one next weekend. Yeah. But then it, I think it, it's a legitimate toss-up between, well, between Medea, maybe, because that, I mean, th those movies, Ugh. they do it. They they make their monies. But, I mean, Tyler Perry's movie, I don't know, I don't think he's, he has, I don't think they've been consistently number one lately, though, that that said. So, but the Medea, yeah, but so. the Medea movies tend to do stronger than like his his other ones, I believe. Yeah, too. but the, I, the, there's there's groups. I already know groups of of, of like women that are going to go see this Magic Mike movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm aware of that too, and it is a, it is a strong year for Channing Tatum. So, I mean, it's very yeah. Much, it's in it's in a lot more theaters than Medea's is also. That's true as well. Oh, yeah. That all this said, I do think Ted's going to be second place. That's where I'm coming down on it. Mm. And I think I, I think 25 is maybe a strong guess. Sounds like I went I went too high. Maybe I'll move mine down to 30. That's fine. Like I'll I'll allow it. I went too high. We'll allow it. I'll allow it. First first time first time mulligan. Generally. First time mulligan. I'll allow it. Um there we go. One one thing I wanted to point out because I tweeted this the other day and it got retweeted like a bunch of times. Um I, I said that the ads for Magic Mike should start blowing people's minds by mentioning that it's from the director of Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. So yeah. that, that I think that'd be amazing to start doing that in the marketing. But uh, cuz I don't think I I mean even though Steven Soderbergh's not exactly a household name, it's not like people like inherently know that Steven Soderbergh's doing this movie about male strippers with Channing Tatum as the lead. Well, they so. could also say from the director of Bubble and the Girlfriend Experience that'll get butts in. Now, yeah, it would, it would, yeah, it would. Exactly. It, 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 or, or, from the from the thought provoking studio that's brought you Che and Solaris, I think those uh, those. Would... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are our predictions for the box office. We'll see how that works out, uh, and that's yeah, that's gonna bring us into. The end of the episode. It's been a long one, but it's been an enjoyable one. Unfortunately, we have to end. So, you can find more of my work in my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for my reviews there, as well as reviews of Blu-rays from myself and the other fine folks at whysoblue. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Abe? Hey, you can find more fun stuff at walrusmiths.blogspot.com, two animals, walrusmiths.blogspot.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmiths. Uh, Mark? Uh, you can follow more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com. That's fastfilmreviews, all one word, .wordpress.com. And then you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. Maxwell. Uh, you can find my writings and film reviews at theractfocus.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash maxlhad. And Marcus. 
Uh, you can find my reviews at uh, – you can go to Examiner and type in Marcus Robinson with Marcus with a K. And uh, you can go to movieswithmarcusonline.blogspot.com. I know it's a mouthful, but you can go there too. With a K, with a K, Marcus with a K. Great. Right, yeah, and I'll, I'll spell all this out in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so you can um, uh, find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes. All of them are located there for free, of course. And you can also locate them on hhwlod.com, where you can find all the episodes of our show, as well as the other shows in that lovely podcast network, which includes uh, the Legion of Dudes podcast, which actually celebrated their 200th episode the other day. And uh, Yeah, good for them. And, oh, yeah, and, and certainly, you know, it's very nice to be a part of the HHWLOD podcast network. Uh, we're very, very fortunate to, you know, have been brought into their their group of podcasts so you know good uh, kudos on them they're a really bunch of cool guys and of course uh, you can find most of the newest episodes and some exclusives on outnow.podomatic.com you can also of course email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com as i mentioned earlier in the episode towards the beginning we have there's a pixar contest going open to people that have not won prizes already uh, all you have to do is email us uh, your favorite Pixar character and why in a couple sentences to a paragraph. And, you know, first one that gets through, you're going to win a nice little Pixar package. And, and speaking of, you know, just things you can, you know, get out of going supporting the show, of course, you can um, uh, help out Liz. Liz's uh, film project, Red and Butter Movie, at her Kickstarter project. And if you donate $25, you can have a chance to be on the show with us and, you know, bullshit about movies <laughs> and do the best you can. <laughs> so... Uh, finally, follow our pages, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast, where you can, of course, find all the latest updates for our episodes and other various things that we put on there, including all the, the constant blogging that Abe does in particular. And um, Workout. Yep. It, <laughs> sure it is. And of course... I really want to highly recommend Abe's uh, Twitter account. It's really <laughs> it's, Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a nonstop stream of consciousness from Abe, really. It's like every, everything that passes through his mind is on... Beautiful gems that just come out. It's like, it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's like listening to a journal that never stops. It's like CNN. That's what it is. It's kind of like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Exactly. It's just like... Oh, the book. Man. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yep, exactly. All right, so next week, Marky Mark takes on a teddy bear. Things I wish I could say more in life. And until next time, so long. And goodbye.
if, if I could just jump back in quick, I'd no, say... No, you can't. Abe? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Def, 